what do they call it? They call it uh, Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. That's right. What's going on, guys? This is Royale with cheese here, and uh, today we're going to break down Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and then we'll jump to the Cami versus the people. Seth, what was your impressions on uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Well, Caleb, you know me. I love Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> I love all of his work, especially Pulp Fiction. And actually, I feel like this is the closest movie to Pulp Fiction and everything that happened. It was pretty funny. And, I mean, all of his movies are funny, but this was very funny. And it had the dynamic cast of Leonardo and Brad Pitt, which I really liked. And, I mean, also it had Margaret Robbie. Margot Robbie, yeah. yeah which she's... was another good one. And, uh... uh I mean, even though she didn't really have any lines at all, but... She was I mean, very endearing, though, in the role that she played. I mean, it, this is based in basically 1969. You know, it's a washed-up Leonardo DiCaprio. He was in the, all these cowboy flicks, right? And he gets offered by Al Pacino, not Al Pacino, but that's who plays him, to go do spaghetti westerns in Italy. Well, basically, you know, his stunt double is Brad Pitt, which is also his driver, his handyman, basically is everything. But they're just like best buds, you know, and Leo's the star and Brad Pitt's just the guy who carries his load. Well, yeah, well, I'd say to start off about uh, at least the movie or not even the movie about Quentin Tarantino, I think Quentin Tarantino changes actors. I mean, hear me out, hear me out. I mean, he makes them better. Okay, so like... I think he really takes them, hits their specific role, and then makes them better. Yeah, well, okay. If Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't get a nomination for Best Actor, I don't know what's wrong with the Academy. He he knocked it out of the park. I'm not oh. saying this is his best role he's ever been right. in. Even Brad Pitt knocked it out of the park. Oh, yeah, but Leo, you know, crying oh. and uh, everything. Like, Leo <laughs> no knocked, it out, <laughs> knocked it out of the park. Like, unbelievably well. And this movie was just, it's a period piece, you know, 1969 mainly it focuses on, and... Uh, you know, Roman Polanski's in it, Steve McQueen. Like, it's the golden age of Hollywood, and it's just it's so endearing, at least to me. You know, it's Los Angeles. You're just watching it, and you just can't help but being, like, wrapped up in everything that's going on at this time, you know? I mean, I will say the one thing about it is it does have a loosely based plot about yeah. the Sharon Tate murdering. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it's a Sharon I Tate. I mean, yeah. it's definitely a very loose plot, and I mean... I'm not going to say my ratings or anything, but it was 10 out of 10. I mean, I'm not supposed to give my opinion <laughs> here yet, but great movie. But, I mean, it was very loosely based, and I would say, like, that's probably, like, the biggest thing I would say against it, and that's not even a problem. I yeah, mean, it's, it, it drags on. It, like, not drags on is a terrible way to say it, but what I'm saying is it's not, like, as intense as, like, a Reservoir Dog or a Pulp Fiction. Like, it's more, it's more of the Jackie Brown, you know, just loose and uh, just dialogue back and forth. But um, I'm actually we we're filming this a little late, which I'm in some ways I'm glad we're doing because we got to see it twice in the theaters, which was, the second time for me was even better because the first time we watched it, this I was way more funnier. I, yeah, I, it was way more funnier, and I loved it the first time. But the second time, you know, it's a two and a half hour movie. It's a long movie, but the first time I felt it a little bit. Like I felt it a little bit just because it was getting late and stuff when we went to go see it. Saw it at like midnight. So. But we went to go see it Sunday at four p.m. and uh. You know, it it kind of just blew by, and I was really impressed with how well it went by. And you know what? This is uh, his biggest opening weekend. I believe it, honestly. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing it in his theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, gro- it grossed $40 million. I don't know if that's exactly the final poll. I pulled this up Sunday night. But uh, that's what that's what it grossed so far. It's his biggest opening yet, and uh, I'm not I'm – not, 
for sure going to say this is the best movie yet, but this is biggest opening. And I'm glad to see it because I'm glad to see that he's still out there making good movies. And he said he's only making 10 and this is his ninth, but let's pray he does more than 10. <laughs> well, you also got to put in perspective about uh, him, this being the most grossing movie. Is, you know, he does obviously film, so he can't show it at every theater. Yeah, Not every it, theater has it. That's what, in you know, this is definitely, this movie is better to see at the theater. Because, oh, I mean, it, it, yeah, it takes it at the golden age of Hollywood, you know, everything. And it's just one of those movies where it's definitely just the theater experience bumps this one up. So if you can go see it at the movies, go see it. I mean, this movie just captivated me. And like I said, the sec- second time I went to go see it, I loved it so much more. You know, the funny thing is, is that it hit all the Tarantino quotas, which a lot of people hate, you know, it has crazy violence he has like good dialogue i mean it hit all his foot fetishes <laughs> yes the foot fe- you the, can't leave that one oh out. my word tarantino went hard with his foot fetish this he's movie. just embracing it now i mean it's not even like he embraced it he embraced it and took it like to the next level in this movie all right i think we all can agree that like sticking your feet on a windshield barefoot and i'm not talking about like a foot model we're talking about some gross feet. I mean, oh, like, dirty somebody purpose. that walks around. That's like, what he likes that. I know, We're but my, my point is, you cannot say if somebody puts their feet on your window, you're not going to be enraged a little bit. Well, except if without spoiling it. <laughs> without spoiling it, I don't think he was all enraged by that. <laughs> but um, it's just, you know, like I said, it hits all the quotas. I mean, the soundtrack is, once again, he oh. knocks out of the park. And this is my favorite thing. All so, solid songs. So without spoiling anything yet, you know, it's he kind of goes. Tarantino does what he wants to do, right? He makes movies how he wants to make them. He doesn't really care about the history. I mean, he does, but if he wants to change something, he's going to change something. And that's why I felt with the soundtrack. There's like a lot of songs in there that aren't played by the original artists, but that are so good. And like some of them are obscure, and just everything fits so well in this movie. And the one thing about this being a period piece is I think a good period piece makes you nostalgic and makes you want to live in that era, even if you didn't even live in there. Like, I'm not going to lie. After watching that, I'm like, dude, I've had a pack of cigarettes and a cocktail, dude. Would that not be cool right mm, now? Cigar? Cigar? <laughs> what were we thinking? But I was just saying is, like, it makes you, like, just say, oh, man, this is cool. This is what I want. This is, like, this would be life. You know, even for a brief moment. I will say, I mean, I well, we can, we even missed out. I mean, we'll talk about Quentin Tarantino's foot fetish a little bit later, all the scenes. But <laughs> playing off that, I mean, you cannot tell me watching Brad Pitt wear that yellow shirt. You don't want to buy a yellow shirt like that. That's a sweet <laughs> yellow shirt. I mean, it looks so nice. Yeah, Brad Brad Pitt's Hawaiian shirt was pretty cool. I mean, his dog, his, Brad Pitt has a dog in it oh, that's, that's super cool. well-trained. Cool. And it's it just... This whole movie, this it really worked for me. Well, let's get into a little bit of spoilers, but let's start with his foot fetish first. Okay. Let's start with all the foot fetishes. And I think one that we didn't notice is there's a lot of scenes where the camera from the feet, Goes like they the step out up. of the car yeah. and the camera from the feet. But the three I know we know in particular is the one in the movie theater. With Margot Robbie playing Sharon Tate. Yes. She puts her feet up on the theater with her dirty feet that stick out in front of the camera. The hippie in the car, which who who plays who plays that? The hippie uh, in the car is played by uh, I have Marquette Qualley. 
Yeah, Quali? she she didn't have it? she doesn't have like a gigantic yeah, yeah. Quali, I'd say she doesn't have a gigantic career, but I mean she was in the nice guys, so that's probably what you'd know her from. You're not gonna know her, let's be real. But anyways, <laughs> I mean I mean if she's listening to this podcast, I mean we do know her, but Exactly. You know, and uh And I'm the third one. What's the third one? The third one was uh In the bed with Marco Oh, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Yeah, it's like sits at her one. feet. Wasn't that one of the first ones? I don't though? know, but it, it literally sits at her feet. Like she's yeah, sleeping. Yeah, it pans from her feet and, up to her head. Yeah. And then she's just snoring, <laughs> like real loud. But. Yeah, and, like I said, back to the, the plot, he, um, it's just a struggling man after the Golden Age, and he's trying to make it Leo, and Brad Pitt's there. And, you know, it's just, and Sharon Tate is almost like, She's there, but she's not there. Like, Margot Robbie, the way she portrays her and the way she is, she doesn't have much lines in this movie, and she's kind of off to the side. She's almost like a side plot, you know? She doesn't really interact. She lives She lives next door with Rowan Polanski, next to uh, Leo and Brad. Well, Leo and Brad Pitt's always there. But she, not, not, she doesn't really do anything to the end. She's shown a lot, though. I mean, she is shown a decent amount throughout the film, but it's all, like, scenes just... Well, to glorify it that Sharon Tate yeah, is it there. It feels like an homage. It feels like an homage to her, the way he did it. He, I think he handled it very well, you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino, because, you know, <laughs> knowing him, he could have easily gone gruesome death by the Manson family to Sharon Tate, and that's what I was kind of expecting, but he didn't. So I was glad he didn't, but we'll get into that, we'll get into that they later. They didn't really mention... Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Roman Holiday at all. Roman Polanski. Is that his name? Oh, yeah. I'm thinking of Rosemary Baby, the one he wrote, which was mentioned in it. There's a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of like, movies and, References. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, ah, I'll get to that. But also, him bringing back Bruce Lee was hilarious. And that he was funny. And the funniest thing is, he brings him back literally for one gag. Like, he goes into 10 minutes of Brad Pitt and him going back and forth. It's so great because Brad Pitt supposedly killed his wife, allegedly, and is a stunt double, a war hero, and all this stuff. So Bruce Lee is, like, in a crowd kind of on set, and he's just talking how good he is. His arms are lethal weapons. If he kills someone, he'll go to jail. You know, and Brad Pitt's like, if you kill anyone on accident, you're going to jail. It's called manslaughter. <laughs> I mean, we really can't hit on honestly how funny this movie was. It, it was hilarious. It, and it really was. It didn't even have to be word said, like him, Leonardo DiCaprio crying. Oh, he didn't yeah. even say anything. Every it was just time, so funny. Every time he it teared so up, funny. I was dying laughing. Yeah, I mean, they do. Honestly, they play really well together, Leonardo and Brad Pitt in this movie. Like, oh I yeah, mean, dynamic they, duo for sure. I mean, I obviously, mean, that's why Brad Pitt's the stunt double, right? <laughs> you know, it was just. It was just so class. Like the movie was so classy, so funny. Soundtrack was phenomenal. I mean, me and you are a little biased because obviously we're big Tarantino fans, and pretty much anything he puts out, we're at least going to enjoy. Because oh, yeah. he's going to hit all his quotas, and those quotas we're going to enjoy. But like I said, second time seeing this, I liked it better. And you know, just I feel like a lot of these movies, Tarantino especially, you know, he does what he wants to do. His movies are his own vision. He likes that gruesome violence and everything, right? And a lot of people knock him down for that. A lot of critics don't like that. A lot of critics don't like uh, him narrating over stuff. And I will say that's my only nitpick. If I had to pick one nitpick, there was a little bit over narration where they could have showed what was happening. 
It, yeah, but I think that's like it's at the point where it's Quentin Tarantino's signature. I like, I get it, I get it, but like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, like you rob a house and you've robbed a ton of houses and you always leave the water on, like in Home Alone. <laughs> are you just not gonna leave the water on no, anymore? No, no, like I get it, but I, I like I'm saying I'm just trying to be like super objective here. Like I I kind of get it, but I feel like this movie gets a lot of hate from especially like the elites in the movie industry because it's gonna do so well at the box office. Yeah. Like because it's famous, people hate it. Yeah, well, we hate them, so... Hey, no, it's... yeah, it was a great movie. Like, I literally enjoyed this so much. I mean, for who, for you, who won it? Like, okay, who won it for you? That is that is a good question, because all the Quentin Tarantino movies, you don't know who the main character is. Uh... Would you say there's a main character in this one? I mean, I'd have to lean Leo, because it is I mean, about Leo's life, technically. It, I, think, I think when it goes to the Oscars, it will be Leo's the main actor, and then Brad Pitt would be a supporting I, I would have to, I definitely, I mean, I am a big Brad Pitt fan. I mean, he's played in some really bad movies, like Troy, and stuff like that. That's not the worst. Yeah, but I mean, definitely he's going down the rabbit hole on those movies. But what I will say is, I would have to say Leo won it for me. Oh, yeah, Leo's He's just phenomenal. so funny. I mean, this Like mo- the mirror scene? This, you know... <laughs> yeah. You don't do one more thing, I'm going to blow your face off. <laughs> yeah, it's... This movie is super funny. You know, it's cool because they go into this Manson family cult of hippies. You know, everyone hates the hippies. And they go into it and they, they show, like, in the whole time, if you know history, I think this would be interesting, Seth, for, to see it through your eyes. Because you didn't know about, like, you might have heard about the Sharon T murders, but you didn't necessarily know this was the Manson family killed Sharon T and stuff like that. So for, to watch it and see it, like, revised must have been, like, pretty cool. Because the whole time, like, Okay, the Manson family is going to come and brutally mar- murder Sharon Tate and probably Leo and Brad Pitt also. Like, Well, here's what I was thinking. So, I, yeah, I didn't know really anything about it, so I had to look it up after to figure out what it was all about. But, I mean, I was sitting there the whole time, and I'm like, why is Sharon Tate in this movie? I'm like, they've showed her multiple times. She yeah, really she doesn't, doesn't have really too many lines. And she doesn't really interact. But I'm like, why is she in this movie? So I, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, She's got to be in this movie for some reason. Turns out she's not in the movie really for any reason except to throw you off. Well, no, 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 no. I, I disagree. Mean, I disagree. Basically, just to give me that <laughs> loop and say, "Hey, we got a very pretty actress." In no, this movie. no, not at all. I, I totally great disagree. Actress. I, I think she. I think she plays actually a pretty integral part because. With the foot fetish? Is this what you're talking about? The exactly. That's what I was going that, for. That's all he wanted. That's all for. Yeah, he's like, she's like, she nice feet. feet. Yeah. <laughs> so, we need her. No, no, no. So, like, they kind of open it up. One of the first scenes is uh, Brad Pitt drives Leo back. They go, they get back to Leo's house. He Don't looks, cry in front of the Mexicans. Kid. Not yet. Don't get the favorite oh, quotes. Come I'm on. Sorry. I'm sorry. So, they get back and they look over because they live right next to Roman Plonsky and Sharon Tate. Well, they just moved in. Yeah, and but he says he says, "Wow, I've never seen it before." Like, and he sees that because he's like failing right now. Like, he gets about to go. He's debating whether to go over to Italy to start in westerns, and he's just like, "This is like the end of my career." Is what he's thinking. He's like, and they're at their peak because he just made Rosemary's Baby, right? This is the peak of like Hollywood, and so in the end, though, what happens? This okay. Now we're definitely gonna be spoiling. The Manson family comes to murder. Which is actually pretty comical, right? But what happens is Brad Pitt's tripping on acid, and what happens is that Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt then uh, fight fends him off with the help of Brandy, and 
he just and Brad Pitt goes out there and he well they come into this house and Brad Pitt literally just basically murders them all and then it ends with the hilarious scene of Leo bringing back the flamethrower that he used as a prop and just torching one of the girls from the Manson family so they end up killing the whole Manson family and Sharon Tate recognizes like they notice the commotion that's been going on and she finally invites him up and you're like it's this scene where he's he feels like he's made because he just came back from making all these italian spaghetti westerns right he gets married he kind of feels like he doesn't necessarily feel like a superstar but he feels like things are kind of on the right track you know yeah, but he, his career is over. Let's be real. I mean, he he made spaghetti westerns. It's, no, it's, it's not over because this is the whole point. Because he's like, his whole he feels time, good, but, but his, that's but, it. But his whole time, he's like, if I can just get to like a pool party at the Polanskis, like I could f- star in his next film, and he gets invited for drinks. Well, we see how well that worked out in the real world. <laughs> I don't think Roman uh, Polanski's making too many movies just, these days. Well, he just likes thirteen-year-old girls. I mean, allegedly, allegedly. I mean, not yeah, we don't Polanski. know. I mean, <laughs> This isn't uh, no conspiracy, but all right. Now, what what's your favorite quote from the movie? I don't know. I this know movie this movie is super cool. I know what yours. It is really be. is. I know what yours is gonna be. Yeah, it's gonna be. Don't cry in front of the Mexicans. David, don't cry in front of the Mexicans. I mean, <laughs> quote wise, that mirror scene was pretty funny. Where he's yeah, like, I agree. I agree. <laughs> or no, I actually, I would have to say my favorite quote in the movie would have to be with Brad Pitt. And uh, what's his face? The guy that looks like he's from Star Wars. Uh, Tex. Oh. <laughs> he took, yeah, I thought that too. At first glance, I thought it was Adam Driver also. I did. But that was just because, I mean, I knew as soon as it wasn't, he wasn't Adam Driver. But that was probably my favorite scene because, so Tex walks in, right? They break in with a knife, right? And get him out into the living room. Basically later on, Brad Pitt's still standing there. Brad Pitt is high. On acid. Well, he's tripping on acid, yeah. Like, hardcore. And he's drunk, too. He's this drunk. Girl, he's, yeah. like, probably plastered out of his mind, which I don't know how he could walk his dog if he's plastered. Well, and he's and a, tripping on acid. Hey, like, I mean, he had harder livers back then, man. Come I mean, on. he got away with murder, so that's I mean, true, he probably can do true. anything. Allegedly. 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 Yeah, we don't know. He's a war hero. Exactly. He's a war hero. Come on. But, um, so anyways, Texas holding a gun to him, right? Texas is a hippie. He's part of the Manson family. Yeah. And Brad Pitt's looking at him and he's like wait a minute i know you guys he's like what's your name what's your name he's like and then tex is like i'm the devil yeah. and then he like stopped it has like that kind of like pause for a second and then brad Pitt's just like nah it's definitely something dumber than that <laughs> <laughs> i just totally roast him in that scene but yeah yeah um, this, this movie i mean it slowly builds tension from when they go to the spawn ranch where the manson family is you know it builds tension and because you know history you're like sitting there and like you're like oh man what's about to go down what's about and i then, thought and no, then, i thought brad pitt was gonna something was gonna happen at oh, spawn ranch sure. because it had that music too i know that music threw me off it was like and low-key like the music like if somebody's <laughs> gonna die i just found it funny because quinn tarantino was like oh this is what's gonna happen psych I don't want that to happen. <laughs> you know, that that's the thing. Like, it's just Tarantino, he, he's basically like a big kid, I feel like, in some ways. Because, like, there is no need for the super, super gory scene and disturbing scene when he's, when Brad, Cliff Booth, Brad Pitt is just hammering the faces in of the Manson family. Like, there's there's no need for that, right? But I think it, it adds over the top. to the movie. 
but I'll, I'll give you the reason why. Okay, but I'll give you the it's reason definitely why. over the top for so, sure, right? So just on the emotional level, like you, you're laughing during the whole movie. You're feeling the pain of Leonardo a little bit, I guess, just a little bit. And then you feel, and then you're like happy for Brad Pitt because he's satisfied, and he beat the crap out of Bruce Lee. And <laughs> but wife. then you also have allegedly when they break in, you feel glad that Brad Pitt's beating him up with his dog. But then you also have that cringe, like you know when you see something like somebody just stubs their toe really hard, you get like that cringe. Her nose is broken in. Hey. I think it adds to the emotion in the movie. No, that's all no, I'm saying. No. It okay. adds to the emotion. It, okay, it's definitely over the top, like in the sense of Kill Bill when she's just f- slicing. He brings out a flamethrower in the water. And another scene, I thought Leo was gonna get electrocuted. Why the radio? It was why battery, they had the battery powered? Yeah, but why they, is that? Why they had the slow mo? Like they literally had like a slow mo of just the radio falling down into the water, and you're like, yeah. oh, he's gonna get electrocuted. I thought that too at first, but I'm like, it's bad. Well, like he's not that stupid to bring electrical. Radio. Yeah, but and it was a plug. Why in was that scene there? I it just, just threw to play me the off. Yeah, music. Uh, it really no, threw me off. And you know what? I I just feel like we're not even doing this movie justice because I feel like it's there's so much in because it, it is a two hour and forty minute movie. There's so much in this, and I feel like we're just barely scratching the surface with this. Like there is so much involved in this movie so many working parts and it's just a great movie the only thing i would say i would say i mean like quentin tarantino said about kill bill 12 and under i'd probably not bring him a decent amount of swearing in it probably not for the little little kids yeah but uh, and also it's two and a half hours like. and also he bashes people's faces in yeah Super over the so. top, but yeah. Back to my oh, point. I wait. I got. I just gotta say another funny scene. You know when he's like, when Sharon Tate's talking to him over the mic, like the yeah. next door neighbor, right? The cops leave, and the ambulance leave. Yeah, after and the Manson the, family, the yeah. one, the pretty boy is there talking to yeah, her old fiance. Yep. Yeah, and they're talking, and he's like, "Well, is anyone hurt?" And he's like. <laughs> Well, the hippies, they're 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 definitely not gonna make it. They no they're they're, they're dead. dead. <laughs> okay, okay, the what's your favorite scene of the movie? I don't know. I that you tell me yours first. Oh, mine is easily the Great Escape. Basically he That gets, was pretty he, funny. He's on set. That was just ironic. And if you haven't seen the Great Escape, go watch that right yeah, now. Yeah, he what what happens is that uh Leo, you know, uh he's he's a washed up at this point you know kind of like he's just playing the heavy in all these tv shows you know he's not known as the rick dalton they used to be you know he's he's just there he's always the villain he always gets beat up so he's kind of being typecasted and that's why he has to go to italy well as he's filming in one of these pilots for another western you know he's the villain again basically he's asked by the lead actor who of the pilot of this new show he's a he's a hey um I heard that uh, you were in consideration for Stephen Queen's part in uh, in The Great Escape. And you know, I've actually read a couple reviews and stuff, and they all said it's just like another revisionist history. Like he just places himself in it. But I like to think that he actually like got the part, and they were filming it with him. But then last minute they fired him and brought in Steve McQueen, and it shows the fi- they superimpose him into the famous Great Escape scene where he gets sent to the <laughs> it is cooler. Funny. It's just like for me, Grayscape is like it's ironic. I would say, yeah, and very well, ironic. Well, for, especially for me because Grayscape is just like one of those s- super, like I can't, 
iconic movies for me that I've seen like a ton of times is I grew up watching it for some weird reason. I really enjoyed it. I don't really know why at the age of six. Because America killed. But it's just like really. You can't get that tonight head. Yeah, it's it's just one of those movies that I don't know why I love it so much. But him seeing him superimposed in that, I was just dying. It was so great to me, like watching that. And that that's my favorite scene of the movie. I don't I don't know. I, the end scene is hilarious all around. I mean, it's all just the scenes in the shock end. humor almost. I know, but it's hilarious. Like when he brings out the flamethrower, like I mean, I don't know if you didn't know it was coming, but I definitely saw it coming. But that's why it's so funny. Oh yeah. That's sure. so funny. And also the Jackie Chan scene. Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee, that's what it was. Not Jackie Chan. Oh yeah, the Bruce Lee part Bruce was Lee scene was hilarious, hilarious. when he gets fired. And she's, like, yelling at him, like, real hard. And he's like, honey, I'll take care of this. And then he just says the same exact thing in just a calmer voice. <laughs> it was hilarious. And then it also, yeah, he, he but, acts like he didn't get thrown against that, the car. He's listen. like, I didn't get thrown. He barely touched me. And then uh, Brad Pitt's like, well, I think the dent in the car says different. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like, It's like 10 minutes of buildup for one joke. Literally, but like, not even like, that. Like, also, it's a flashback. Like he's just on the roof and he's like thinking back. It's all just that's for one why it's joke. so funny. I know it's great. I love it. And I love that's Tarantino, man. Also, like to add to the buildup of it, he's like when he's taking off his coat, he's like, "Hey, you know that guy's famous." He's like, "That guy," because Brad Pitt's just a stunt double, and he's like, "That guy's famous for what?" He's like. Killing his wife, <laughs> oh, yeah. and then he gets a little and nervous. Bruce Lee's like, "Oh crap!" Yeah, <laughs> killing his wife and getting away with it. Yeah, that, that stops it off. That oh, or the trailer scene about his wife. He's like, "Well, well," he's like, "He killed his wife." He's like, "Well, well, no here. one can prove it." Yeah, <laughs> wasn't proven. He's a war hero. Yeah, it's just like I honestly, I feel like we could just talk about this movie for like an hour and literally not do it justice. Like, just go see this movie. It would be worth whatever you pay for it i mean this definitely go see it this is a movie you definitely want to go see in theaters it's worth your time and money and it's like it's good supporting a movie that isn't disney at this point <laughs> at this point is <laughs> nice supporting a good movie that isn't disney you know and um it's original that's that's one thing it's original it's good it's funny it has action i mean and like i said it's a great period piece man because it makes you want to kind of long for that time and uh, so you already said your rating. Uh, no, just yeah. repeat it, or else you have something else to Mine, say. No, no, I was just gonna say. I mean, I I don't know what this is, but I don't like got an eighty-five. Definitely should have been higher. But I give it a ten out of ten. Now on you, I know you're having trouble giving it a ten out of ten, but you also having trouble giving it a nine out of ten. Well, yeah. Um, first time I saw it, I thought nine out of ten because the first time I saw it it did drag a little bit at parts, right? So I was like, okay, you know what? This is a good movie. And you know me in time times. Like, I don't want to give a movie time time unless I really feel like it deserves it. So I was like, 9 out of 10 is good. But I feel like it's better than 9 out of 10. Like, I really, I, I'm, me and you are biased because we love Tarantino so much. So, well, this, I just think he, I, I think mean, Tarantino is that good of a director where he actually makes... The actors. Well, this one, this one thing. There's nothing wrong with it because what he he good puts good stuff out there. Now I'm not saying it's like good st- stuff. You mean phenomenal? What I'm saying stuff. is like he his filming is not like Stanley Kubrick. Like it's not like the most perfect technical film, but they're super enjoyable. 
they're very competently done at the worst. Like, his worst moments are still competently done. And it's just super interesting to watch and funny, and I super enjoy it. So after the second watch, uh, I had to give it, uh, I give it, I bumped it up to a 10. And I bumped it to a 10 out of 10. I mean, and you got to respect the film, how he goes out of his way to do film. And if you don't know about Quentin Tarantino, when The Hateful Eight came out, was that 20, was it 16, 17? I think it's 2014. Well, whatever. Whenever The Hateful Eight came out, right? And he's, him, there's a couple. Him, Christopher Nolan, I know for sure do 2015. film. 2015. They only do film. Well, the problem is theaters were getting rid of film because I don't well, know. Well, they didn't have film projectors. Oh, yeah, no, they, film- they got rid of a lot of them because they either got damaged or, like, they thought they were obsolete. Yeah. Thought. And, so, yeah. well, what Quentin Tarantino did is he actually bought a ton of, like, broken down projectors, got them all fixed, and sent them out to movie theaters because he wanted people to see his film. Yeah, and uh, I, I've looked through it, like, today I was just bored at it. I forgot when I was looking, but... Uh, I was looking at, like, people, a lot of magazines and uh, online articles, like, where this ranks in his movies, like, top nine movies. And, uh, no one had this, like, I think, I only saw, I looked at, like, four different websites. I think only one of them had it in their top five. Well, Caleb, they're no Royale with cheese, am I right? Well, I don't even say, yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, I was kind of surprised, because I get it, I get it, there's, like, most people, it's like Pulp Fiction's always usually one or two. Well, it's such a great movie. And then you got Reservoir. I mean, except you, for the one scene. And then you got Reservoir Dogs in there too, right? And then you even got a lot of people have Jackie Brown because that's just like an up-and-coming favorite. Classic, you know. So so those those three, right? And a lot of people, I thought most people had like Kill Bill at four for some weird reason. Like it was weirdly at four a lot. And then they had Once Upon a Time. Uma Thurman got some big hands. I'd like to talk about that, but... Oh, by the way, I did move uh, Pulp Fiction up to a 10 out of 10, guys, from the last podcast. Yeah, he's crazy. I mean, we base a whole podcast on this. I would... And he only has it at a 9 out of 10. I had to roast him a little (laughs) bit, you know? Honestly, dude, I want to do a whole podcast just on Tarantino, but... uh, uh, we could just do a whole podcast. Well, not a whole podcast. We could do a whole nine podcasts. Uh, what are we thinking? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. And give our order. But, uh, okay, I guess, I guess we can move on now. We both gave it 10 out of 10. Fell in love with it. So now moving on to Academy versus yeah. the People, 1978. Let's start with, uh, yeah, Annie Hall. It's an hour and 33 minutes. It's a comedy. It's kind of romance, too. It's basically about the life of. Just Annie Hall and what's the guy's name? Al, his name's Alvy Singer. Alvy Singer. Woody, Woody Allen, Allen, the director. Yeah, it's basically their life, and I mean, honestly, how I would have if I had to describe this to you guys, the best way I could describe it is with another show. I would say it's like Seinfeld. That's kind of how it is. It's it just kind of yeah, this guy's if, life. It's I mean, kind of humorous. It, yeah, it felt real close to like Curb Your Enthusiasm. Larry yes, David. It yes, felt yes. very close to like a Larry David. Even because but they're close like friends. more people know Seinfeld, and that's the only reason. Okay, Seth, go get yourself. <laughs> but uh, no, um, Annie Hall is like a super interesting movie for me because um, I actually laugh at a ton. A ton it's real quick. The whole movie is just. Su- Woody Allen directed and wrote this movie too, you know. But it's super quick paced. 
like like most of they cut it's kind they so many cuts in the film every time it cuts to a new scene it's always like mid conversation or mid action like so this movie feels like it's in new york too which adds to like just that fast life you know that fast lifestyle so everything in this movie is hour 33 minutes but in some ways you almost feel exhausted by the end because it's like just move it non-stop it feels like you move non-stop through life. moving so quick like it's, it's basically yeah and some of it's out of order and he does i think feel like woody allen in this movie not i have to say shamefully say i've not seen a, most of woody allen uh, allen's films and i really should because i really do enjoy annie hall and uh, watching this is just, like I said, so fast-paced, but I really enjoyed it because it's super funny to me. I find it hilarious, you know. It's a rom-com before, like, the cliche rom-com. Like, I feel like uh, when Harry Met Sally is, like, the first, like, rom-com that... When you say rom-com, that's what you think of as, like, when Harry Met Sally, like, Sleepless in Seattle, that kind of stuff. But this is obviously a romantic comedy, too, but... It's definitely one of those movies that you sit there... And, I mean, obviously, it's it's pretty funny, but it's one of those where you, you could watch it a couple times and still get different jokes from it. Because, like you said, it's so quick that you can't pick up oh, on yeah. anything. It's, just, it's moving at 100 miles per hour. The dialogue and everything. And he, there's so many jokes just packed into every line of dialogue throughout this film. And it's really great. You know, he does a lot of cool th- Like, I could see some people not liking him. But I think I, for the most part, enjoyed all of his kind of weird things he did. Like... For example, there's a scene where um, the, uh, Diane Keaton and Woody Allen, which are the love interest, you know, Alvy Singer and um, Annie Hall are talking to each other, right? It's kind of when they first meet, you know, and um, they're speaking to each other, right? And they're kind of talking about painting and it's kind of getting to super high intellectual level. But what they're doing is every time they're speaking, they're also giving the subtitles to what's actually going on in their heads. And like Annie Hall's like, Oh my gosh, he's like way too smart for me. He's too much of an intellectual. I can't deal with him. And he's sitting there like, Oh, she's really buying this garbage. I have to keep going on. I don't know what to say. I'm an idiot kind of thing. And like, honestly, I mean, uh, I'll get into the question later, but, um, this movie is like, Super Jewish, obviously. Yeah, it does have a <laughs> super, lot of Jewish jokes. Super Jewish, which nothing wrong. It actually it's pretty funny because it feels like a lot of comedy. We go like Seinfeld and everything has a lot of Jewish humor in it because there's a lot of comedians okay, and stuff were Jewish. The Jews started Hollywood and comedy. <laughs> yeah, just remember that. So it's it's this is a really funny movie. You know, it's just basically it's just this crazy look into this relationship that's off and on, off and on. You know, there's time jumps. There's scenes where they look back in time, but they're all able to, like, transplant there and walk through it. So, like, I feel like he does that so the pacing doesn't stop. Like, Because yeah. if they can go there, they can still c- crack the quick jokes real quick. But it just looks at those life. And Alvy Singer, Singer is a comedian, but he just has so many, like, issues. Like, he has phobias. He's just nervous all the time. And Annie Hall, she's kind of same way she has her own problems too she's just a freak yeah basically that's what <laughs> you get from it they both are constantly going to therapy and stuff and it's just constantly moving and moving and moving and moving and it's for me an hour and a half long so you know me i like oh, a good type movies. this movie is super tight like it's super hour tight. and a half to around 45 minutes best types of movies and it's it's super funny and i i really enjoyed it like like I said, he does some just weird, bizarre. There's even an animated scene in it, which is kind of yeah, funny. Yeah, it's kind of weird. No, no, it's it's funny because this movie just goes like, well, it goes every which way to really just get you. You know, I mean, that's the thing. That's what I kind of like to talk about 
I mean, even more, you kind of hit on it actually a decent amount, is him breaking the fourth wall. I mean, I'm not a big fourth wall breaking guy. I mean, yeah, I me like either. it. I like in Deadpool just because it's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, but I'm just not like I just I just don't find it that funny because generally when you break the fourth wall, it's generally for humor. At, at least from the movies I've seen, that's generally how it is. And I generally yeah. don't find it that funny at all. And I didn't really like it at first because I didn't like like him walking through time like. I felt like that was really weird, and it kind of threw me off because they're kind of going for, like, the modern time, but then they had this where they walked through time, and they're like, it actually happened. Like, it wasn't just yeah, him it's imagining like they're all it. the it same like, yeah. watching it, you know? Yeah, which was, I mean, it was definitely cool. It it was something that I it's haven't unique. seen him do. Yeah, that's and that's why it's I think unique. I ended up liking it in the end is because it's so unique. Yeah, it's unique, and it, it works. That's what the thing. I, I'm not saying it's, like, phenomenal because some of the things are a little... I didn't care for it that much, but all of it works great for me. I mean, it works good, and it's just—it's a funny movie. And you know who it was funny because, like, you got uh, Woody Allen, Mel Brooks, and Larry David, kind of like the three Jews who like did comedy in Hollywood and really were brought up in it, kind of, kind of together and stuff. They did writing together a little bit, but you know, that's all. Also, Mel Brooks—if you think about his films, every single one pretty much breaks the fourth wall. And that's so why he does an Annie Hall too. So it's kind of funny, like seeing the kind of the parallels yeah. between the two directors and writers. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked it a lot. I mean, there's honestly there's not too much to say just because it was a pretty simple movie. I mean, it's it was simple. Yeah, it's it's simple, simple plot. I mean, yeah, it's very simple. It's, yeah, like I said, it's ups and downs of the relationships. They break up. They get back together. They break up. They get back together. They find end up. They fall in love with each other, and they say, "Well, we basically got to be together." The funny thing is, you know, they play on a lot of things. Like, this movie is, like, it's New York, and everyone's trying to be so intellectual about everything, right? And it's, like, they're all fake, though, in a way. Like, they're all just scared people who need other people, but they all try to seem like they're super intellectual, and they read all these books about psychology and all this stuff, but in the end, they're just like, there's normal people, man. They're, and that's the funny thing, because like, no matter how intellectual, like, they try to say, oh, we broke up for all the right reasons this time. We're all intellectual, like we're doing the mature thing, but then they end up back together, and it's just this constant back and forth, back and forth, and they finally fall in love. I mean, I I would like to say about uh, Annie Hall and Woody Allen's relationship is really weird and dumb. Oh, for sure. But the one nitpick I have is about Annie Hall. I, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I, I think you'll agree with me. So, like, obviously, you know, fashion trends is one thing, but, like, there's certain things that doesn't need to be worn. Like... She walks in it, tennis. It was tennis, yeah. She it was walks out. tennis, yeah, yeah. It, so it, it, I hope everyone would know what floods are, but it's worse than that. It's like uh, it's like a really skinny girl wearing husky pants. That's yeah. how I would. That's how the only way I could put it. Like it was like she could fit four of herself in there, and uh, the whole thing. Yeah. And then like this loose vest. She only has it buttoned once, which I died. Lily died looking at this. And I'm not, like, she could do it if it was, I'm not even saying skin tight. I'm just saying fit her. Wait, it's just, like, her style in it is, like, this very New York bourgeoisie. It's supposed to be artsy is yeah, what I'm getting against from the it. man yeah. kind of thing. And it's, like, this, it's just, yeah, her wardrobe in this film is just, like, I, I hope 
that wasn't fashionable in 1978. <laughs> it did kill me inside. It's just, it's like, it's like a man's, basically all of her wardrobe is like, what a man would look, it'd be like, in a weird twisted world, what a man's, would look, man's clothing would look like. Like, that's what but it was. not even that. Once again, a man still wears clothing that fits him. These clothes but that's what I'm saying. It's like her. this weird twisted world, but, I mean, okay, this is my question. Does Alvy Singer and Annie Hall get together ever in real life? No. <laughs> no. I actually, no. I would have to disagree. Fame and money does a lot to people. You know? <laughs> no, but that's not why they were with each other at I, all. Well, I know, but, I mean, it does do a lot to people. Let's no, look at okay. a lot of people. This is my point. This is my point. Like, there are scenes, especially in the beginning, Alvy Singer is just super annoying. Like, he just has all these quirks to him, and he gets annoyed real easily. And he gets annoyed at her really easily. And like I said, he just has some really weird quirks, and he says, I'm just super anal about things. Like, he can't go to the movie because it started two minutes ago. And, like, he just keeps wanting to go see this German documentary, and hilarious. she's so done with it. And I think she it, like, twice in the movie. And it's just, like, it's he's just so, he has so many quirks, and he's almost, like, unlovable like he's I don't know how anyone can stand being around him for more than like 10 minutes he's just super annoying but then you know at first you think that and you think Diane Keene Annie Hall you know you think well she's more normal she has her own issues for sure she's a lot of issues right yeah but not nearly as much as him and also I'm not saying Diane Keene's a 10 out of 10 here listen don't quote me on that in that day maybe you know but We've come a long way. But comparatively to Woody Allen? Woody Allen's ugly. <laughs> I, I mean, th- Woody Allen I, is, no, no, I'm, you know, I'm Woody actually, Allen, but... Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure they got married in real life. Diane Key and Woody Allen got married in real life. He's a funny guy. It's true. There's something to say about Kill. that. There's a rule of For thumb sure. that I've always been taught. <laughs> if you make the girl laugh enough... She's not going to see you because she's squinting so hard. Less time she looks at you, the better. Yeah, it's just funny, you know. I mean, nothing wrong with them. It's just kind of like, man. It, the thing in the movie, it kind of plays off like she's the one going after him. Oh, know? yeah, it's real And weird. it's like, there's no way you could even stand to be around this guy. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I guess, you know, there is a saying that, uh, I mean, I read this once, you know, I read a book once that, yes, yes, yes. that you know, girls stoop down a little bit because they feel more comfortable, more secure with a little bit uglier guy. Good thing we're breaking down women. This is now the women talk show. Yes. yes. So if you have any questions about yeah, anything, just, call just come to us. In, Dr. Uh, Dr. Seth and Caleb. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, no, I mean, okay. What? Let's give our ratings. Caleb, yeah, what, what'd insane. you get? Yeah, this was also hard. For me. All right, I'll give. I give it a nine out of ten. I mean, I did not think it was a ten out of ten because I would have to rewatch it for sure. But I don't even remember soundtrack in it. Was there a soundtrack? Uh, there's a not a soundtrack. It's uh, there's a score in it. There is a score in it. Yeah, there's a score. I mean, I'd have to. It's, it's, it's I know there is in the beginning. In there. I remember some, in the beginning yeah. and the end. But yeah, yeah like, there's not a ton of music played through. There's really I mean, she not. sings. I mean, she does sing. I mean, so I just wasn't. Sing. I mean, I was a fan of some of it. I wasn't a fan of all the fourth wall breaking. Like, I didn't like... I liked some of the people that he liked, you know, when he would be on the street. And he'd be like, well, what do you think about this? I liked some of that. But some of that was just going well, this Well, this is just me going off the cuff. The reason that's like that is because he thinks, like, the whole world revolves around him. Well, I know. No, I know. But I just... 
That's like it, there's a lot of it, scenes kind of like that. Head. There's like probably like ten scenes. Like yeah, it's that. it's just, it, it's interesting and it's cool. Like it's not like I said, sometimes it works. Um, oh gosh, you gave it nine out of ten. Um, why? What'd you give it? I mean, I'm like at eight point five with this guy. I not. I mean, I'm, it was a we're great not, movie. We're, we're not going to eight point five because I don't want to get into that territory. Uh, um, it was a great movie. It just wasn't a ten out of ten. Like it wasn't. It wasn't. It didn't. It didn't touch me, you know? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Is like, uh, any haul for me, uh, um, I'm going to go, yeah, I, uh, 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10, yes. I, 9 out of 10, because there's nothing wrong with this movie. I don't find anything abhorrent. It's a well-shot movie, well-quick-paced movie. I enjoy it. It just felt like, I have other 9 out of 10s that are a lot better than this in yeah. my head, but well, go, I get, I'll throw a 9 at it. It might change. Well, Probably closer to a 9 than an 8, but uh, well, going from <laughs> our simple plot movies to probably, I mean, honestly, it's actually probably still a pretty simple plot, but kind of intense with the sci-fi, we move on to Star Wars The Fourth, A New Hope. It's in two hours and one minute. Gail, you want to give us a little background on it yeah i mean it's directed by uh george lucas this is kind of his uh baby you know it's obviously proved to be so big you know he's pretty george lucas you can say whatever you want about his directing but his world building is uh really next level you know it basically it goes and follows there's an old jedi council and basically they use lightsabers and use the force for good like the the light side right you know and then uh there's the bad people like you got darth vader who uses the force which is like choking people and he uses lightsabers also but use the force for evil well basically what happens is the galactic empire is taking over the world there's some like they're basically equated to hitler and the third reich basically and they're taking over the world and there's a rebels in the film who fight back led pretty much by princess leia and then you got Luke, who's just, a f- he's basically just a farmer's kid, right? Just not used to this world. And he goes through situations, his aunt and uncle die, and he meets up with uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Obi-Wan Kenobi is the only person Princess Leia sends a message to to come help because he's part of the Jedi, one of the last Jedi's alive. And so she needs his help to defeat the Galactic Empire. It's basically the struggle between good and evil. I mean, oh, grand yeah. scheme of I things. Mean, yeah. I, mean, I mean, now, let's start with, I mean, because you basically gave the plot of it. Let's start with, I'd like to start and break down the actors. What you thought about their acting. And we'll obviously we'll start with the original Luke. What, what, what's your thoughts on Luke's acting? And just in the fourth. We're not talking about any other one. Oh, man. Well, this is kind of in my nitpick territory. I mean, Mark Hamill. He's definitely by far, let's just start off the weakest main actor. He's weak and he's not He's like I didn't, a boy I didn't that want, hasn't I didn't hit, want, he hasn't hit puberty listen, yet. I didn't he's want, like voice cracking <laughs> on every scene. I didn't want to start with this because like I listen, I love the Star Wars universe. I totally accept the prequels are garbage. I totally accept sevens as a knockoff of four and eight is a pretty awful movie with Rogue One being okay and Solo being okay. But this original tr- trilogy to me is pretty special. Like this, pretty much shaped my childhood as the movie I watched. Well, it should shape everyone's times. childhood. <laughs> if it hasn't shaped your childhood. You need to go back and. So time. this movie really holds a special place in my heart. So I'd like to stay with that before I 
poop on this movie, okay, for two All minutes. Right. Well, give us your poop. I mean, no, not yet, not yet. Harrison, basically a lot of these people are... We'll move to Harrison Ford later. Well, this is what I'm saying. I'm saying most of these actors and actresses are not super, super well-known at this point. A lot of this, this was their well, start. Didn't, didn't... I mean, this is... None of them are super, super famous yet. This movie really catapulted them oh, into yeah, stardom. Oh yeah, but I mean, didn't Harrison Ford act in a couple? Yeah, no, he's he's in um, he's in Apocalypse now for f- two seconds, but no, yeah, he's also in uh, no, 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 yeah, no, you're no. right. Pretty much Apocalypse now is pretty much his only because he did Super Blade famous. Runner right after. Yeah, so I mean, and Harrison Ford, okay, Han Solo. You're right. Yeah, no one's really famous. Yeah, Han Solo is. The best part of the movie for me. He's the best part of the original trilogy for me. Oh, he's a great actor. He's a great actor, and he also plays a great part. Like, he plays... In this, he's a smuggler and the, on the Millennium Falcon who can do the... What is it? The run in 12 parsecs? Gosh, dang, I should memorize well, this. If I know this movie so well, I yeah. should know this. But anyways, so he he's like this this dirty guy. Like, he's not in it to be good or bad. He's just a smuggler, right? He's just looking out for himself, right? He's but just he, a classic human being, you know? Looking yeah. out for himself. And he gets roped up into this whole big Galactic Empire versus the Rebels fight because he takes Obi-Wan Kenobi, Luke Skywalker, and Princess Leia onto his ship. And it, it just, everything for him, you know, it, it turned out, he's like, dude, I just want to do this for the money. I'm here for the money, nothing else. But obviously, in the end, he ends up helping out the rebel cause and everything, and he becomes a war hero. But this movie, for me, is, like, pinnacle to my childhood, and I love it so much. I love the world building. It's just so cool. The force, the lightsabers, everything in it is so cool. And, I mean, there's, I don't have really any nitpicks. Except, except, obviously, okay, now I can get back to the point. Luke, played by Mark Hamill, I just don't think he's very good in this movie at all. He's not a good and actor. He, and I don't, I don't even think he's a good actor. I think the part they gave him is just awful. Like, I don't like Luke Skywalker. Well, I don't dislike Luke Skywalker, but I'm not nearly as emotionally attached to him as I am to Princess Leia or Han Solo or Obi-Wan Kenobi or even Darth Vader. Like, Everyone else in this is so much cooler and so much better. And Luke, he's just, like, annoying in this. And I, it's the one thing about this original trilogy that I just don't like. And a lot of people like Luke, and that's fine. But I just find him annoying in this, and he's not very well acted whatsoever. No, for sure. I mean, Harrison Ford's a good actor in this movie. Even Carrie Fisher does well in this movie. Yeah. I mean... I like Darth Vader. I think that was pretty cool. Yeah, Darth but. Vader is just super iconic, you know, with the force choke and everything. I mean, this this movie is is really timeless. But obviously, like the first scene you know, with the ship is inspired by two thousand one, and there's, well, there's I think a- everything after two thousand one is inspired by it. Two thousand one Space Odyssey is a great movie. It's a great movie, Seth. But it's not on two thousand Space One Odyssey. Want Star Wars? Anyways, the pacing in this is really great, again. Like, this movie moves along pretty quick, and it keeps you super entertained the whole time. It's a unique concept. I mean, who's done lightsabers? And, I mean, let's... I mean, yeah, we'll talk about this in a minute, but... Actually, no, let's just do it now. Lightsabers, how they originally did the lightsabers. We're not talking about the remastered, which we did watch the remastered just Okay, I was just going to get into this, but we'll we'll stick with the lightsabers for a second. Go ahead. So, in the non-remastered, the the original, original, with a budget of, like, $2. Yeah. They figured out somehow how to use mirrors and reflecting lights, and it 
actually looked good. Like, it looked pretty good for that. I'm not even going to say for that day and age. It looked good for even yeah. now. It, yeah, it I mean, it, it looks it looks I mean, decent. Obviously, CGI kills anything. Well, this, well this, this is the thing. This was actually my big problem. I wish we would not have watched the remastered. It. I don't, you, you have to look it up. I think it was like 2002, I think. Um, it might have been before that. Probably was the 90s, to tell you the truth. I don't know. But anyway, it doesn't matter. George Lucas came back and added CGI and stuff to the movie, and for me, he added a lot though. He added he changed the lightsabers. He had CGI had things in the background. Yeah, that's stuff what I'm saying. Like CGI animals and more of a, like a world building. And for me, now I get I get like I don't want to say I'm not a common fan because I don't feel like I'm some elitist of any sorts. He also added, which we should hit on a little bit, is the stormtrooper. If I keep going, that was the very beginning. This stormtrooper hit his head, like, oh, and he didn't yeah, want to yeah, say yeah, anything yeah. because he's like, yeah, yeah, "Oh, yeah. he's basically an extra." And he's like, "Well, if I say something, then they have to refilm this whole thing, and they only had ten dollars for it." So, <laughs> yeah, he's like, but, "I'm just not gonna say anything, right?" But also, in the remastered, the thing is, he didn't just change CGI. Like I said, he he adds the head hitting sound in the beginning yeah. of the stormtrooper, which is cool. That's pretty that, funny. That, that's that's funny honestly thing. a funny. I'm fine like, with that as a remaster. Almost. But the problem I have is that uh, in the original. Han in Han's in the bar before we he meets up with Luke and them and he's a s- dirty scum in most eyes. He's he's at this bar. He's sitting there. Greedo Greedo comes up to him and he owes money to Jabba and basically there's a hit out for Han Solo. So he's sitting there and in the original Han Solo shoots first. Han Solo Han Solo shoots Greedo, right? And then Greedo shoots because he got shot and he's expecting it. So it shows like that he Han Solo is not necessarily a good guy. He's 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 well, kills the guy. He's just a smuggler. It makes sense, but in the remastered, they have him like defending himself. Which, uh, as soon as Greedo pulls yeah. a gun, Han Solo shoots it after. And that's the thing is like, I get I get the remastered in a sense. Like he only had a super low budget to make this film, right? So remastering, he felt like he could add the things that he wanted to add. They couldn't, but changing things like that, and then also the CGI doesn't hold up today like it looks pretty awful yeah i'm not saying the puppets and stuff they used before didn't look awful because honestly i haven't seen the remastered in years but what i'm saying is like you mean the original that's what i'm saying the non-remastered uh what i'm saying is that uh it's it's he made it i know it's not gonna look super great and i'm fine with it like the cgi for me was just super distracting well not even that it feels like he just remade the whole movie Okay, let's not go crazy. Okay, now. <laughs> he added animals in the background. Yeah, and stuff that's like what I'm that. saying. But the, what I'm saying is like he made it look way better with CGI. Do you think that looks better? No, no. But I mean, to him, like making it look better. Yeah, a two thousand. I mean, okay, the animal. Some of the animals do look better than the stuffed no, animals. I would take. That's what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is like I can forgive it. Like I understand his vision and everything. I'm fine with the puppets. Like but, just give me the puppets. Like I don't like. I don't like these crap CGI. Like I think it looks crappy. And that's the thing, like, I just heard a podcast, and they uh, reviewed THX, which is a movie George Lucas did before this, and he also remastered it, right? It's a sci-fi movie. He remastered it and added all the CGI, kind of like he did with the Star Wars. And the thing is, is just, like, I'm fine with watching it. Like, I understand it's 1978. Like, I understand your budget was, like, $10. Like, I get it. Now, like, the lightsabers redoing them, that's whatever. That's fine. But there's no reason to add a bunch of random animals that's running in the background that are easily distracted because the CGI looks like garbage now. No, I'll take that. Who who in their right mind put a grub in the movie 
as like the kingpin. It doesn't make any sense. Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt is terrible. I, do, I will never understand it. Like he's, he, he's useless because like okay, Jabba the Hutt can't fight anybody. He's the anybody. ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. It literally makes <laughs> it literally looks like a turd. He doesn't even look like a grub. That's literally how he looks. He looks so he dumb. It literally looks like because grubs still have like features to him, like a red head and like kind of like snails. This guy is literally a turd. He's with ugly. with the mouth and eyes drawn out. Yeah, but Jabba's class. He's so classic. I mean, yeah, he doesn't really so become infamous. Ugly. He doesn't really become infamous till episode uh, six, Return of the Jedi. But I mean, uh, New Hope is just one of those movies for me that's just so influential in in my childhood. I love it. I it's one of my most rewatchable movies. I mean, I do like Empire Strikes Back better, but I got some nitpicks. Just okay, to... what's your nitpicks? Go ahead. All right. Well, this is, I mean, I don't know, even know what to throw this in. Not really nitpick, but it's kind of more like, was no one else thinking this? So in the beginning, he wants to go to the academy, which is for stormtroopers. Well, for the, uh, it's for the Empire. Yeah, yeah, for the Empire. So he'd basically be working for the Empire. Yeah. No one questions, now he just becomes the chosen one. This, well, <laughs> the, the greatest man. Like, no one's questioning here. Like, he could have been on the other side in about 10 seconds, and that's what he only wanted to do. Because he made a statement about four times. Dad, or what is his name? It's not Dad. He said Uncle. Yeah, he's his uncle. He's living with Uncle. Yeah, old he's dad, like, really, like going I just want to go to the academy. Like, four times. And no one's sitting here and questioning, like, hey, this guy just took down yeah, the but Death was, Star, but he was, was about to be on the Death Star. Yeah, okay, but it was just like, okay, the Galactic Empire is control over everything. It would just be like, if you want to go to college in the Soviet Union, like... Okay, Caleb. Just wants to go so to you're college. just gonna stand for the Soviet Union? <laughs> I'm just saying you want to go to college. Gonna, I mean, it's not crazy. Communism kills. Communism's over, and you're just gonna be like, yeah, let's go along with it because it's there. But I mean, and also the other thing is, is like Luke, he drives this little moped. I mean, this this is how I okay, I agree this, with you. This here. is how this I is would crazy. picture it. It's like you're driving a motorcycle, basically. That's about it. You're driving a motorcycle sure, around, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're the best, you know, space pilot you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> you can just man a man yeah, a blue angel jet, and you just the best at it. Virtually, and also like it's literally impossible. Okay, and also like the, even the most talented. <laughs> let's just go from the beginning. I mean, you did have the that, force, but anyone that's talented, like let's just say you know LeBron James. LeBron James didn't pick up a basketball as a baby and throw it up in the air, and he's magically the best player in the world. No, he still had practice. Yeah, he has talent, but talent also adds to with a lot of practice. Well, this is one of the scenes that I say that, like, makes me dislike Luke Skywalker. So, like, I understand the Rebels are low on guys, so they need, like, people to do this mission, right? Because they have to blow up the Death Star, so they have to, like, shoot this perfect shot into this shaft that will blow up the whole thing. So, anyways... The thing is, though, that really kind of pisses me off is they're all sitting there, and all these pilots... Now, I'm not saying they're all the best pilots in the world, because we don't really know the background, but chances are they've flown one or two missions before, right? And they're all like, dude, this is, like, impossible. We're not going to be able to... And Luke Skywalker, this newbie's like, ah, oh, it's just like shooting womp rats back at home. You know, this is easy. I'm like, screw you, Luke Skywalker. For right? real. Like, if I was a pilot, I'd be like, okay, are you serious? Yeah, we just you died serious? for you. It, yeah, yeah, they're suicide. They're literally suicide. Like, the guys behind him. They're literally meant to die. Yeah, seriously. They're meant to die. Yeah. They're, like, they don't have a better battle strategy than this. Oh, yeah. It doesn't really make sense. And, like, they make it epic because they're like, oh, it's Darth Vader, and he's such a good pilot, and he's able to, like, take down no, these... No, they're take, flying a straight take, line. Take down these aspects. That's what I thought. 
that too. I'm like, okay, the turrets can't hit him. Whatever, the control by stormtroopers, they can't hit a jack squat. But I'm like, this is not a hard shot. Literally, they are just bait so that Luke Skywalker doesn't get shot. I mean, if Luke Skywalker can out of nowhere fly a spacecraft like that, I'm sure I could shoot down one of those that easily. <laughs> okay, but, but also my other nitpick. You want this, yeah, this, this one's going super in depth. I, I have a good nitpick too. There's a, there's a scene where Princess Leia is taken to like the front of the Death Star and they're like, tell me the plans or we're going to blow up your home's plan of Alderaan. And she's like, they have no weapons there. Like, don't shoot them. They're poor, innocent people, right? Boom. That's why they get shot. No weapons, man. <laughs> they can't defend themselves, and that's why they get blown up. They had their own militia. They that's what I'm saying. And also, how does a planet not have any weapons that's what at I'm saying. all? What is she growing on the sissy, like... Like, do they not have hammers? Do they not have hammers or anything? Like, that that counts as a weapon. All, Voldemort pretty much deserves to die, is what yeah. I'm getting from this conversation. Yeah, like, this is, like, the most peaceful planet I've ever seen in my life if they don't have any weapons at all. And then also, like, think about what a waste of energy it is, because, like, he's blowing up Alderaan and like it's deeply like worrisome to her right like that's their pressure piece but they're like basically they're just like we just blew up a planet and there's no way they were ever gonna fight us or ever fight like what are they gonna do peaceful protest exactly. sit-ins and they're like oh the Galactic Empire is really gonna care now alright <laughs> I now I got the nitpick that everyone's been wondering been in all the memes you know everyone knows these guys let's just let's just break this down stormtroopers are trained military people. All they have, to, all they do all day is shoot. I mean, I hope our army isn't this bad. Like this is what their job is to do: is to shoot and kill. I know. They walk in, and the rebels are just as bad. I mean, I know, I they're nowhere near anywhere. And I'll give them like, yeah, they have masks on, right? No one hits anyone. It's, it's literally I mean, like there's a few people that die. I but literally it's funny feel like it's, it's laser like, tag. It's, it's laser it's tag. Free, going on. I think the funny part is it's like it's like at least like a five minute standoff, and it's really just between like and then Darth Vader can just walk down the middle basically. Well, I'm just saying because it's funny because it's like between like it seems like eight rebels and eight stormtroopers, and yet it takes them like they're all pretty much on the open, and it takes them like. 10 minutes to kill each other from, like, 12 feet away. <laughs> and no one's, like, no one's sitting here questioning, like, they have the technology to literally grab a spacecraft out of the air and pull it in, but they don't have to the technology to open up a door. They have to cut the door open. Like, no no one's sitting listen, here questioning listen, this. No. Like, listen to this. Oh. They have that good of technology, but they can't do that. Like, what? Mad respect to Darth Vader. Because he's, if you think about it, he goes in, he's, like, one of the first people in, with the stormtroopers, right? He comes in, boom, boom, boom. He also dumps in the fighter pilot to go kill Luke. Like, this guy, he's just like, dude, screw this. I'm going to do whatever th- everyone else does to kill people. So, mad respect to Darth Vader. But one of the, actually the things about this movie that I really enjoy, and they also, Empire Strikes Back, they do it well in that too. Revenge, uh, not Revenge of the Sith, but Return of the Jedi, they do it l- not as much. But the thing about this that I really enjoy is, like, even though there's lightsaber battles and the use the force it's very minute like it makes you feel almost that like Han Solo's he's not maybe on equal playing grounds as Luke Skywalker and them but a guy with a good shot has a good opportunity to do some damage right but obviously as the series progresses and goes to the prequels and now 7 and 8 the force is just like ungodly strong and if you have the force 
you're just murdering everyone, right? No, you're you're basically God. Except I mean, in except in episode three, Revenge of the Sith, where like stormtroopers just take out all the Jedi's. But Caleb, that's how it's that's <laughs> how it's going, you know, like superhero movies and everything like that. Which any new movies by Disney is just complete garbage. Okay, let's not get but crazy. Anyways, but. <laughs> my last nitpick would be: Does anyone sit here and think about like, you know, when they're flying off in the ship? And I'm glad the stormtroopers can hit a ship. I mean, because they would really have bad aim if they cannot hit a giant <laughs> spacecraft two feet from their face. But they hit the spacecraft, but there's no damage done. Like, there's no way they have their no, shields No, protector up shields. No. Yes. It's not bouncing off their protector. What is their protector shields? They have shields up, dude. Oh, uh, instantly? Like, they just turn on? Like, I turn on my car and the shield shields comes up? Seth. No, this is bull crap. I bull okay. crap. All right, what, what's your rating for uh, New I Hope? I mean, Star Wars New Hope. I'm just going to give, after I just trashed it a little bit, I got to <laughs> give it, like, bring it back in a bring little bit. Bring it back in, bring it back in. I mean, this obviously is a childhood movie that I live lived on grew up on but it's just like it really did do something that i liked and it's very it's good iconic building for me. it's iconic yeah i mean like lightsabers i'm i'm into that kind of thing i mean <laughs> sci-fi i yeah, like sci-fi yeah, movies exactly. i love sci-fi movies chewbacca honestly he might be the greatest performance there <laughs> honestly he's probably my favorite actor Oh, but I think we should talk a little bit about how everyone hated, uh, what's his name, C-3PO. And didn't he get uh, awarded for something? Well, Anthony Daniels. Well, yeah, Anthony Daniels played C-3PO, which is one of the droids, R2-D2, C-3PO, that are involved in all these the episodes. The golden one, the and walking. He, and he's always, like, the one who's trying to rationalize things and stuff. Well, I guess like stellar performance. I mean, he really did give a stellar performance. He does good. And but the thing is, is like I guess everyone on set, he was a super hard worker, super annoying. Like no one wanted to hang out with him. He was like just a dick. the reunions, like they didn't invite him. Yeah, they did not like him at all. It was just a real big mess. Well, all because around. he just acted like he was the best person around. Yeah, he, he and everyone's like, I mean, C three PO, you're good, but I mean, we're gonna put. We're going to put uh, Mark Campbell in front of you. I mean, like, just to shame him and put him under. But I gave this movie, Caleb, since you were asking, I give it a 9 out of 10 because it's very iconic to me. And I, I like the concept. Great movie. This is a 10 out of 10 for me. And no. uh, after all those nitpicks, there's yeah, no okay. way I could put it a 10 out of no, 10. No, no, okay. Nitpicks. A 10 out of 10 needs to be a perfect movie for me. For me, this is. Okay. It's not perfectly perfect. te- technically Stormtroopers perfect. Stormtroopers can't even hit a target. Yeah, it's not technically perfect. I mean, like, technical standpoint. But this movie, for like, it, the world building that it does, and it opens up this franchise that is so beloved, like, so perfect from the mind of George Lucas. I mean, this movie is, I feel like, almost unrivaled by, like, not, not in the sense of how great it is, but of what it's become. Like, the hours and the pages of fan fiction, the spin-offs. I mean, this Definitely movie... Definitely has a weird following. Uh, yeah, but this movie is, like, it's just, it's so iconic, and I, I really love it. Like I said, it's part of my childhood. I, 10 out of 10, I, I can't lower this rating for it. I love it too much. I mean, it, it's a great movie. It, it really is. You should watch it. I mean, I mean, you can even show your kids. Like, it's a good kid movie, honestly. Not yeah. Okay, I'm not talking about really young, <laughs> but I'm talking about, like, when I say good kid movie, like tens you know like 10 to 20 you know yeah 
Yeah, and the uh the thing the thing is is uh we need some uh, crappier movies because this week we did uh all nines and tens. <laughs> yeah, so uh we, I mean obviously I guess last from week you your gave rating crap Caleb movies. Yeah, so. that's true. But from your weight rating, you gave Annie Hall a 10, nine, nine, ten, and you gave Star Wars a ten. So obviously you have Star Wars. You'd oh, say yeah, Star, Star Wars, Wars won it. it for me. That's not even that question for me. See, I disagree. I'd say Annie Hall, and I'll give you I'll give you my case. Oh god, yep. better acting. Okay, way better acting. Okay, like not even in mm-hmm. the pages. I agree with you. I mean, definitely Star Wars wins the soundtrack. I mean, you Score. could probably you yeah. could probably make you could probably make an argument. It has the most iconic Score, of all yeah. time. Yeah. Like the opening scene, and not even that, the saloon. <laughs> yeah, that's the greatest. Honestly, I like that better than that. But that goes back to, you know, the video games and playing it. Amen. Lego Star Wars. The I mean, OG. Annie Hall's funny. No, Annie Hall does not does not win it for me. For me, I can forget about Annie Hall. Not super easily, but it's like one of those movies that's like in the back of her head. Doesn't stick with me like Star Wars does. Like Star Wars, I oh, will yeah, never start thinking it's just, about I mean, but is it the better movie? It might stick with you better, but no, no, no. it's a okay. better movie. No, Annie Hall's a technical better movie. So, did it win this week? No, okay, then if we're going by that standard, then, like, I mean, Stanley I Kubrick think, knocks it out of the park every single time. I think we should just cut it off here. I think we both can't agree once upon a time in Hollywood. Actually, <laughs> the best movie in 1978. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it, it was pushing those times, you know. If we're like, right, you yes. know, if you're li- still listening at this point, go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It Great, so movie. good, but so good. Opening for next week. I'm also super almost. Excited. I'm. I mean, I'm no, like Once Upon a no, Time in Hollywood's good. No, but no, Sean and Hobbs, no. like, come on, Hobbs and Shaw does. It does. Okay, it doesn't look great. It's like it actually. Crank. Actually, looks pretty awful, but it looks awfully wonderful. It looks like a big car accident that I cannot wait to go see. Well, it's like they they're at the point where they're like, we can only give you so much action, so now we're just gonna take it to the next level where it's so much action that it's funny. He's listen, literally listen. lassoing a helicopter listen, with a chain. Watching that trailer, <laughs> watching the trailer to Hobbs and Shaw. Listen, I'm not a super big fan of Fast and Furious. And I've only seen a handful of them. Never seen them. Never Honestly, seen they've them? never intrigued my interest at the all. The first couple ones are really like about the cars and racing, and then they just, like, like at all throw it out the window. Like I'm a big action guy, and I mean they've never intrigued my interest. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a die. I'm a big fan car guy, <laughs> and they've never intrigued my interest. Uh, it's just like, it's like one of those movies where like, I'm like, why, why, why do we make eight of these? Why? Why get, are we making to, another to get one? To Hobbs and like, Shaw. <laughs> like, why? There's no point. No, no, listen. There's listen, literally listen. not a point. No, it's listen, not even like they listen, got listen, stellar listen. actors. Oh, I disagree. No. Jason Statham. No, <laughs> not even close. No, this is the thing. This is the thing. Okay, well, I was watching the trailer. The there. plot is so weak. Don't, don't need a good plot. Listen, watching the trailer, right? And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I'm already, my eyes are lit up. This nonstop explosion. Well, I'm excited for this one. I'm excited for this one too. No, I'm talking about the whole collection. It's trash. I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, of course they're trash. Okay, this movie's trash. Let's talk about the new one. No, that's what I'm saying. Well, would you say Crank's trash? I mean, like, no, no, yeah. Crank is a masterpiece. Don't that's ever. That's what I'm saying. That's how Sean and Hobbs is gonna be. Hobbs and Shaw say it right. Gosh dang it. No, <laughs> but no. anyways, 
watching the trailer, I've seen the trailer about 30 times because it's always the preview before every movie we've gone to see the last, like, three months. And uh, it opens up this crazy action, boom, 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 rock, Jason Statham. I'm like, oh, this is this is crazy. Like, I kind of want to go see this. It looks, fu- it looks fun. Like, that's the definition. But then out of nowhere where they just give up the weapons when they go back to his home island and fight them all with sticks, I was like, mind blown because you know they're going to win with the freaking sticks. And then I'm like, I'm already like, this is crazy. I'm, I'm watching this. This is insane. And he lassos the freaking helicopter yeah, I, on the back of a tow well, truck. We're not even talking about like lassos <laughs> with a normal rope. No, like, it's a tow truck. Possible. Yeah, it's literally a giant towing chain. You can barely throw those. I feel like, like I feel like every I feel like every Fast and Furious movie they give less and less about making like a comprehensive plot, and they're just like. Also, how do blow everything out? How do motorcycles do that? Like, how do they drive on their own? Is that, like, because <laughs> last I checked, like driving a motorcycle is about balance. Like, does it just balance itself out and, like, just, it, it's good. This is truly the definition of insanity, this movie. But I am, I'm excited to go see it. And then, and, um... Well, you're probably wondering why we're going to watch this movie instead of, like, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood. We might just do it two weeks in a row, but... I honestly would not be too offended. <laughs> no, it's just because there's just trash coming out. And this is the best trash we can pick out of it. Oh, yeah, the weeks after this are going to be kind of rough. But uh, also with Academy versus the People, we're going to go visit uh, the Deer Hunter versus Grease. And I'll let you decide which one I'm excited to see. <laughs> which one I'm not. Are you sure you don't want to see a three-and-a-half-hour movie? And the answer is John Travolta from Grease. That's what I'm the most excited for. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb's into that, you know. <laughs> all, right, guys. all right, all right, all right, guys. This uh, is our eighth. I am sorry. I get so I lost with like, so many episodes. So many episodes going through all the fans mailing me. Yes, all the fans. Actually, you know what? I was listening to this podcast. I do have a funny story. So I listen to, honestly, tons of podcasts because they're working. We only listen to Royale Cheese. <laughs> yeah, okay. Royal fans. Maybe this is one podcast, and I don't think they're super big, but I think they're like, they're decent size. Like, I think they probably, at the very least, they probably get about. 5,000 people listening, right? So that's pretty big, right? I mean, so they, like, thought this would be a good idea to, like, do a live show, right, in a park, right, and they're going to have people meet up. Worst idea ever. Literally one person showed up in the podcast with them. Hey, at least one person did. And it was just the worst podcast I've ever listened to. I mean, but also, kid, we should probably hit on, I mean, right before we go, we should probably hit on. So what I'm, I'm saying is we're sure. going to do a live show I'm not even sure <laughs> at people, the park across the street. <laughs> people can tell the difference between my voice and your voice because I actually have got a lot of comments on that. You're right, you're right. Okay, whenever you hear like a good point and something intellectual, it's Caleb. And it's then Caleb when, what you're thinking. And then, and then anytime, wrong. And then anytime you hear something stupid like uh, Star Wars is not a great movie. Um, Never said that. Star or, Wars is a great movie. It's just not an amazing. Or he's movie. sympathetic to communists. Uh, that's Seth. Well, Caleb's <laughs> out here saying he'd join communism if they offered it. So, uh, false. I said I'd go to college in the Soviet Union. <laughs> See, this is what I'm saying. I want it. This I is not go to college. Everyone, out as of you America. can hear, as you can hear it here first. This is the intellectual one. All right, it's the seventh, and you know, not the final episode. Yeah, you heard it from us. Not yet. So, <laughs> basically, we're the only people you should listen to. And if you hear it from us and somebody contradicts it, it they're wrong. 
Please, uh, please, if you rate us, that's really what we need. Uh, good review, good review would be nice. But uh, I mean, thank you for listening. Good comments, like sexy voices, that'd be good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's do some SMR. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. All right, guys, thank you for listening. All right, see you later.